Welcome to the Control Performance Podcast, where we discuss industrial process control optimization. I'm your host, Devin Cole, the Global Services Manager for Performance Solution Business Line in Metzoflow Control. We strive to be our client's top industrial valves and process control reliability partner. This episode is about PID loop tuning. This is every process control engineer's favorite topic. And today I interviewed the leader of our development team, Steve Oberman. Steve gives us a short history of tuning and some methods out there, best practices, and notes about available software to enhance PID loop tuning results. Steve is a product manager of the Expertune products in the Performance Solutions business line in Metso Flow Controls, and he has worked in the process automation field for over 35 years. Steve has extensive experience in the refining and petrochemical sector, having worked for Texaco, WR Grace, UOP, Honeywell, and Texas Petrochemicals. His expertise includes project process modeling, advanced control, optimization, software development, process and control system performance evaluation and benchmarking, project financial analysis, and management. And now on to a previously recorded interview with Steve. Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining me today. Sure. Happy to do that, Devin. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, PID loop tuning, and specifically we'll, we'll talk about some of the, the methods out there, some best practices, and some software tools that are available for process control tuning. And I know this is, this is a favorite topic of most control engineers uh, that we run into in, in our work, uh, and, and when somebody starts into some kind of a control performance effort, they, they always want to talk about loop tuning. So... I figured we'd give our, our audience what they want and uh, give a little uh, exposition on, on process control tuning. So with that, um, Steve, I guess we'll start with some, some methods used, uh, and uh, maybe you can uh, talk about a, a few of those um, that are out there. Um, maybe starting with, uh, well, I think you call it uh, poke and see, or see to the pants tuning? Yes. Um, so. Uh, over the years, uh, people have used uh, various techniques to um, arrive at some settings for those, you know, three magic numbers, P, I, and D. And um, probably one of the most common, still in use today, uh, is this idea of, well, we'll just stick some numbers in there and see what happens. And, you know, the, the, it's it's probably the least sophisticated, simplest, and that that's I'm not just trying to say that you can't be effective with this. Okay, there's a there's a broad spectrum of you know settings that will work for a PID controller, um, and you know once you get near them or, or you have some skill and understanding of the behavior of your algorithm um, with respect to those settings, you can be reasonably good at um, uh, establishing some values that would be stable. Um, I think what one of the key things here is is getting stability and getting the behavior out of the control loop that, that you're interested in. We'll get into, into a little bit more into that later on with best practice. But um, after the seat of the pants method came uh, a Ziegler-Nichols type tuning. Uh, again, this goes back to the uh, many, many years ago, where, uh, you know, someone decided that it would be a, a good idea to try and get some practice in place, some, uh, you know, basis for setting these values. 
and the team of Ziegler Nichols came up with a, a a model approach. And this is where we first start to see you know modeling get get used. So we take we make a process model, and from that model we apply some rules. Um, and those rules were established at a given time, and and it was based on a you know the the perception of of reasonably good and stable response. Um, after that. We proceed to a lambda or some type of a internal model IMC type, uh, a stat, uh, you know, rule base. Again, rules. Get a model, and and establish some guidelines for. And they be, and when I say rules, I mean these are you know mathematical formulas. You know, take two times the dead time and whatever something like this to establish your P, I, and D values. Um, but you're going to see a theme here in in pretty much every method used after the the seat of the pants method, and that's get a model. A model becomes critical to understanding, uh, you know, what we're trying to do. And probably the highest level, most sophisticated, you know, superior technique would be to do some optimization. So this is where we're combining the model with some type of an optimization function. And one of the best functions we've found is to minimize the integrated error. So we want to find the most stable settings we can where we're minimizing the error in the control loop, the deviation between the set point and the PV. And uh, that, that tends to be you know, a, uh, a really good objective for most all loops. Now, there's a couple of um, uh, places in, in facilities where that might not be uh, your, your main goal. Um, and now, again, one of those scenarios happens it's, this goes into perhaps the next topic a little bit but um, level controllers uh, you know when you have a surge vessel you're maybe couldn't care less about the error <laughs> and the purpose of that vessel is to is to minimize disturbances and so you wouldn't necessarily want to do anything based on minimizing error in that case so uh, i hear a lot about lambda tuning and i run into lambda tuning so let's circle back to that for just a minute and Talk about the the rules that are employed when we're implementing lambda tuning or internal model control tuning. Well, these rules are, um, I guess, off the top of my head, I don't know the exact rule for it, but they're based on taking a model and establishing the uh, the integral, the integration time or the, the the I term and the PID to match the um, the process lag. So when you have a first order process, that's the time constant. And then right. you have, and what they've do, done is, again, another target of these methods is to simplify. Um, instead of having to make three decisions, P, I, and D, what numbers do I pick for those? They've answered the I. And there are no Lambda rules for um, a, a, a second order process. So it kind of restricts itself to a PI type controller and then you're left with one thing. All you have to do is pick the, the proportional setting. So you can be more or less aggressive. Now there is, a, I mean, the rule does specify, it says this, you know, three times the whatever, or some, some I, you know, like I said, I off the top of my head, I don't remember what that number is, um, <clears throat> but you vary the aggressiveness of the controller by adjusting the P term. It makes it considerably simpler than, um, you know, the, the work associated with, uh, computing a, um, you know, the, the Ziegler-Nickel method. And it gives you the flexibility to adjust it for what you want. 
One okay, of so we're essentially asking how fast do we want this thing to move, and then how how fast can it move based on our process model, and then then we choose our proportional essentially accordingly. But we lose a lot of degrees of freedom if that's our methodology. Yes, um, you know, because one one of the things that you will find is that the lambda oftentimes when you use the the standard classic rules uh, is is quite slow. It's it's not particularly aggressive at all. And so oftentimes people find themselves, you know, uh, increasing the uh, proportional action to try and get a little better response out of it. It isn't really motivated by the uh, error situation. It it will you know it it's very good at avoiding overshoot um, because it you know when you really look at the classic lambda it it's designed to sneak up on the set point, basically. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I like that. So instead of sneaking up on the set point, maybe we want to get there a lot more quickly. And, and that's where uh, you know, using a model and, and some kind of optimization routine then gets us uh, to a stable set of parameters, but a stable set of parameters that are, that are going to respond much more quickly. Yes, yes. They, they, the... Trying to minimize the error is is the important piece um, for most people, and that might involve in in this in, in most cases some overshoot. So we we want to get that process moving towards set point as quickly as possible, and oftentimes you're going to overshoot the set point. Now if that's a problem, then you need to use another method or or back off, um, and and not be as interested in in you know being on set point as quickly and smoothly as you can. All right, great. So that, that takes us into the, the next topic pretty uh, smoothly in, in that uh, uh, we're you know, talking about best practices. So we've decided that, that uh, using a model and minimizing the integrated error is going to get us where we want to go in most cases. But when we start talking about best practices for loop tuning, uh, the first step is understanding where we want to go with this particular loop. Yeah, the the question of what's the objective, and the, this is where we can't re really stress heavily that you know this is not a you know sit in your office and poke numbers into something. It's, you, you need to talk to operations, either that or have the uh, expertise yourself to know what the plant is doing. Why is this controller there? What is it, what's important about it? Does it need to you know, answer these questions? Quickly respond to a load upset? Is, is that why it's there? It's, you know, in other words, to maintain stability and good product quality and feed rates and so on. Do we need to be at that set point? Um, or is it something where you frequently have to deal with set point changes? The tuning is slightly different from these circumstances where you want the system to follow that set point. Um, and do it smoothly. We mentioned one of the other, uh, you know, process objectives that you, you know, learn from talking to someone in operations is this issue of overshoot. Can we have it? Or is there something that will go terribly wrong? Do we run that close to a limit that that we need to be very careful about uh, having any any overshoot? And then the other piece is what other elements of the process, so what other conditions of the process might be affected by what you're about to do? Um, you know, we, we talked about that using a surge vessel a little bit. 
Um, the purpose of surge vessel is to take these disturbances out, you know, let them move the level up and down and not disturb things that are upstream and downstream. Um, so these are the, the, these are the items that you have to consider when you're deciding, you know, it, it's a little bit down the road. I mean, you know, you've still got to collect your model and, you know, develop, you know, look at your simulations and so on. But at the end of the day, when you're making a decision about how aggressive you want to be, um, it, it comes back to knowing what the process needs. And that's, you know, you're, you're controlling the parameters that affect that behavior. <clears throat> so some of these, you know, if we were to move down after that conversation, um, you want to look at the operating data. So that's the next piece. Are, are, do you run near limits? Um, is the equipment sized right? So you take a look at where's the valve operating? Uh, um, are, are the set points and um, activity of the valve close to the endpoints of the measurements? Um, is the equipment performing properly? This is, this is one that we really have to stress uh, heavily is that we have found in, in through our work that maybe a third of the valves in a facility are, are not uh, optimally operating. And you know, by that means, I mean, they might be have stiction or hysteresis or they're not sized uh, right for the uh, uh, facility's throughput at a, at a given time. And you need to eliminate those problems before you really get after setting some, some uh, stable tuning parameters, because some of these things you just can't overcome with tuning parameters. Yeah, I think I've actually had a customer ask me, uh, let, I know that this valve is, is sticky, but let's see if we can solve this problem with tuning anyway. And so we can, we can make the oscillations longer. We can make them bigger or smaller, but we could never get rid of it. At, at some point, the valve is just causing the problem and we would need to take care of that root cause before that oscillation would go away. Yes. When you have a, a hardware issue like that, that's, that's really the, on, the only solution. Um, you, like, as you point out, you can put it off. <laughs> um, <laughs> But at the end of the day, you will circle back and have to do something with to, to resolve that issue with the equipment itself. <clears throat> but once you've uh, eliminated or reviewed all this stuff, you know what you, the controller needs to do. You know if the, the, the system, the valve, the hardware, the loop, the measurement, all the pieces of the process are, are operating properly. Then you're ready to perform a, a bump test and collect some data. And you can do this in, in two ways. Um, you can do open loop bump tests or closed loop bump tests. It kind of depends on, you know, again, uh, operations and their comfort level with, uh, you know, how well is it tuned currently? And, um, you know, is someone, yeah, you know, obviously every time I've asked somebody to open the control loop up and do an open loop test, uh, it gets a lot more scrutiny. Some more people are paying attention. Well, how much do you want to move it? And how long is this going to be? Okay, all all good questions and <laughs> all <Yeah>. answerable, <laughs> but sure. you do need the you do need that test and those results so you can establish a model. And um, once you've you've got the model, um, we're you know going to move through to any one of the methods you may have chosen to use, but you calculate PID values from the model. And so, a lot of times, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so it, it, I, I've heard or I see periodically somebody comes up with the idea that we're just going to collect the data 
or, or even get asked about this, is it possible to, to just collect the data while the controller is in operation and just build a model off of everyday operating data? What would you say to that? Well, there's a scenario through that method that might work. <clears throat> I think most likely it would not work. <laughs> um, the reason why is if you, you have to have some movement, okay? So if you're, if you're trying to tune a temperature loop that is set at 150 degrees and it's set there all day long and you think you're gonna be able to tune by looking at what the controller did while it was trying to maintain 150 degrees, you're not going to be successful. All right. the, when, when you're modeling, you have, to, you have to make a move to the process. You have to disturb it in a known way and then collect the behavior of the process from that disturbance. A method that we often use is a, uh, an open loop or a closed loop bump test. And we need to do this because we, want, we have to understand what the disturbance was and the response from it. Um, in, a, in, in a situation where you're not disturbing the plant, you're just letting natural disturbances occur, you don't know what that disturbance was. You can't look at the magnitude of it and understand how it affected the process. <clears throat> so once we've got those disturbances in and we've collected the data from them, we model it and we look for uh, some, we then apply that optimization algorithm to establish some PID settings. Um, and they're based on minimizing integrated error and staying stable. There's a certain region. I mean, there, obviously there are settings you can put into the controller that will cause it to be very oscillatory and, and ill-behaved. Um, so we help shape that by seeing that the, the, the settings come into the region of stability and achieve that uh, minimum integrated error. <clears throat> and then, well, you know, obviously update those settings in the controller and evaluate the performance. Oftentimes, this can be faster than the, uh, you know, the, the seat of the pants method where you just try values until it looks good. Um, and the modern, modern tools today um, solve, you know, help us a great deal with this. In fact, you don't, you know, Many with the poke and see, you're actually playing live with the process, and right. the, uh, the 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 modern tool approach with some you know software um, allows you to look at what you're going to do or see the effects of it uh, before you actually apply it. So if you've really got something out there, or you know you you can you can see the simulated effect. The system will model the process based on the model you made, and it will make uh, adjustments and show you how the closed loop system will behave. Is there going to be some overshoot? No, oh, maybe you want to back off a little bit. Um, you know, there's no overshoot. It's taking, you know, 180 minutes to get to set point. Maybe you want to be a little more aggressive. You can, you can visually see these things and, and decide how you want to, to change your, your uh, tuning parameters to make it uh, meet your criteria. So your, your tuning software should be able to model the process based on your step test after collecting the data. And uh, it should be able to give you some simulation uh, results for different PID settings, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, in, in the performance solutions group uh, that we're in, then so we, we actually provide this software in a couple of different forms uh, for our customers. Um, you want, want to talk about those just a, a minute, give those a plug? Sure. 
um, as uh, our products uh, consist of a a standalone loop optimizer, we have a uh, a more I guess, broad system approach with plant triage, which is performing, uh, you know, real time, all the time collection of information about your control loops and doing things like measuring the uh, performance of the equipment and reporting when things are not where you would expect them to be. Um, it's also uh, outfitted to be aware of and capture instances where maybe an operator has made a change to a control loop. See, this goes back to that uh, comment Devin made that, you know, oh, let's just take the running data and, and make make models from it and do tuning. Well, in a sense, we're doing that, but we're doing it in a smart enough way to know that the, that the disturbance, we're, we're looking for a, a user-driven or a control system-driven disturbance. Um, and once we spot that in the data flow that's coming through the system, we run the modeling tools against it and come up with tuning parameters and report them okay now we don't implement them we report them because as remember one of those key steps was to look at the behavior of the system when you apply the models before you actually do it um, so it gives you an opportunity to take a look at that data that was used for the capture and and the settings and how the simulation looks uh, with the new tuning parameters in it it gives you you know then you have the option of applying them or not um, Oh, great. So, yeah, the PID loop optimizer, that standalone product, uh, if you're just really focused in on, on tuning one loop at a time, uh, that would be a, a good option, a good starting place, uh, you might say. And then uh, plant triage, you know, the, in the context of our discussion today anyway, it really helps the control engineer implement those best practices we talked about. Right, you can analyze objectives. You can look at the normal operating data uh, in, in plant triage. You can look at the equipment, the sensor, and the valve performance. So all those things we were talking about today in terms of loop tuning that are important, um, you can get some of that information right out of plant triage anyway. Exactly. All right. So yeah, th thanks for for joining me, uh, Steve. As as we button it up, um, any. Any kind of last words or, or tips to our audience as, as they're trying to improve the performance of their plant? Well, I would like to say as a, as a final parameter that when you're doing this stuff, one of the key things, uh, you know, being successful is great. Um, being able to illustrate to others problems and what you did and what it was before and what it was after is, is very important as well. And you should always make an effort to document. Um, all, you know, we see cir circumstances where you have a hardware problem. Well, you need to be able to show the uh, maintenance team or you know the, the technical support people what you mean by a sticking valve. Um, and when you've made some changes to the tuning, you need to be able to illustrate why. What's it better? Why? Why is it? Why is these better than that? What have I fixed? What What changed in the behavior of the system? And um, this documentation, I, it can't be stressed enough. It, you know, it's very hard when you're, especially when you're doing things with a, a uh, poke and see method. How do you explain that to somebody else, right? 
I mean, I guess it's natural for us to all want to think that we are the greatest at everything and the world will miss us when we're not there. But a smart company doesn't allow that to happen. Right. You, know, you, you have to have, you know, procedures in place to document and capture knowledge and make it available to others. You know, you get into some of these facilities with thousands of control loops in them. You know, I'm sorry, you may be great at your job, but you can't do all of them. And others need to, you know, there needs to be established uh, procedure rules and set you know, and, and methodology in order so that, you know, your mind can be shared with others um, and, and get similar performance from, from, you know, other people's work. And that's why this documentation piece is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it also uh, allows you to document the, the benefits that you're bringing uh, as part of your work and uh, as part of whatever tools that you're using. Uh, so that your manager and his manager and whoever uh, controls the purse strings uh, knows what's going on in the plant and who's making a big impact. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks, Steve. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll we'll have a chance to, to chat again on the podcast soon. Sure. Great speaking with you this morning, Devin. Many thanks to Steve for joining us today on the Control Performance Podcast. Tune in next time when we discuss a key tool for driving overall equipment effectiveness, or OEE, and achieving your reliability targets. Thank you for joining me today. Please find us on LinkedIn at the Expertune Plant Triage Users Group, and we welcome your questions about today's podcast there, or send them to expertune.sales at mezzo.com. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify as the Control Performance Podcast.